1: Hey, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Afternoons with Mike here on the Shepherd Radio Network. Mike Gilland here with you and with me in the studio, a guy that I've had in a number of times, always enjoy talking to him, a Waco guy and uh, has been in Central Florida for some time now, Josh Plant, pastor of Church on the Drive in College Park, one of the most beautiful sections of Central Florida, I think that there is welcome back josh thanks man thanks i'm glad to be here it's really fun to have you here i've had you with just you a number of times i've had you with uh somebody from the school one time yeah. i believe yeah, it was a coach you came with us, yeah you know? that's right and i know you're involved with reaching out to people you your story is just one of those fun stories of a guy that loves god and finds himself in a situation where as a musician you start leading worship mm-hmm and you're a worship leader and then you become involved in youth ministry mm-hmm. and then you're doing that
0: right. here at that church right right yeah that's what we were uh we were doing all those things and just <laughs> trying our best uh, actually i i started um learning to play the guitar when i was a teenager so yeah. what happened was i found this guitar in a kind of a cardboard box situation. I don't know if you've ever seen that from a music store. where oh, you, yeah. don't, you don't have a case, but they give it to you in a cardboard, in a
1: cardboard box. box right. Idea. Yeah.
0: I was snooping around in my mom and dad's room one day. I don't know why, and I was probably about twelve years old. I think, and I found this guitar uh, underneath, and I said, "Oh, this is amazing!" And it just like captivated me. I said, "I got to learn to play this."
1: And was it their guitar or your it dad's? Was, it
0: was my dad's guitar. I, he had never talked about it before. I guess he had gotten it years before. I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, as a dad now, you know, like I, if my kid asked me, "Where did this come from?" I'd say, "I don't even know." I, you know, I, I got no idea. Uh, but he had never talked about it before, and to this day, I don't know where it came from. I think maybe he said his dad gave it to him years before. But so you never, never saw known. him play it? Never. My never dad was talked not about a musician. It. Mom's not a musician. Um, nothing like that. What kind of guitar was it? Oh man, I think it was called like a checkmate or something. Just some, okay, like, like an off-brand then. Yeah, yeah. this super cheap thing, oh, right? Man. And was, I think it only had like 18 frets on it or something. Oh. So it was obviously made for a child yeah, uh, learning on it. And so I'm like, I, I want to learn how to play this. Well, I went to a little uh, church. We went, I went, I grew up Pentecostal, so uh, in this little Pentecostal church. And so music's a big part yeah, of a big church. Yeah, big part, you betcha. Yeah, and it was, you know, at the time it's like uh, heart of Texas, so there's a big Southern gospel uh, yeah. influence there, and uh, there's a guy named Carl Maxwell, and Carl Maxwell, I believe he was probably in his mid fifties. He kind of played the guitar. His dad, we called Papa Maxwell, was also up there in the band with him. He played guitar too, and but he had to sit down and do it, you know. And Carl would lead on Sundays and do that stuff. And my great aunt Doris would be up there singing. And it was a whole thing. Yeah, man. And I, I can still hear those songs in my head. But I, I went to Carl at the uh, church one day. I said, hey, I got a guitar.
1: <laughs> Did your dad give it to you after you were interested? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. He was like, yeah, go ask Carl. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. So I said, hey, I got a guitar. Can you Can you teach me to play it? In my head, when I'm asking that question at 12 years old, it's like, a one day thing, like an afternoon. Yeah, thing. right. He's, yeah. he's like, yeah, um, sure. Yeah, and, <laughs> you <laughs> didn't learn to guitar. yet.
1: tomorrow you'll be touring.
0: Man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, I want because I, in my head, I just wanted to be up there with the band. Like, yeah, I would sit up and play the harmonica with them because my grandpa did, and so I would do that. But I thought this would be fun. So I I start trying to learn. He he draws out some diagrams because back then you know you didn't have the internet to go look up everything. No YouTube. No, you didn't. There was no YouTube. (laughs) There was nothing like that. You might be able to find like a, a guitar tab in some book somewhere. So he draws out the diagram of where to put my fingers. Doesn't tell me I have to press down. On the oh yeah. Strings. And here's the pain. Oh man. So I'm doing it wrong for like two weeks and my grandpa says, Hey, I think you're supposed to press those down. I said, you don't know you play harmonica. You don't... Don't know. I'm a guitar player. So I, I, Carl, and his, he eventually says, yeah, you got to press down on that. And, and it was bad and I was not good at it for a long, long time. Now,
1: a lot of cheap guitars are really hard to play for anyone, mm-hmm. even a pro. Because of the fact the action is so high, and they you press those fingers down, right. and that, that string feels like it's just going to slice right through to the bone, right. man.
0: And it did feel that way. Yeah, it did feel that way. And uh, so I ended up picking up the bass because we we didn't have a bass player. Yeah. So I ended up picking that up. Another guy taught me how to play that. Um, and then about age sixteen, I was at church camp, and we wanted to start something with our youth group. This was the start of my simultaneous worship leading and youth ministry stuff. Okay. Right. So we didn't have a youth pastor. We wanted to have something in our youth ministry at the church. So, um, I, I just decided I'm going to focus in on learning to play this guitar and I'm going to lead our youth group. So I kind of became the de facto youth pastor and worship leader for that. Uh, That's awesome. What year playing,
1: was this,
0: Josh? Oh, I'm going to do math real quick. Probably 2001. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. 2000, 2001. Um, I was learning to play that. And I remember seeing something Kenny Chesney had said one time on CMT when he's learning to play guitar that he was just playing until he could make his fingers bleed. So I said, that's my mindset. Yeah. I'm going to keep playing this and learn until my fingers bleed. And they never bled, but they hurt a lot. Yeah. Right. They hurt so much. And I, you know, developed calluses and all, that. and it worked out, um, you know, it, it was cool in high school too. Cause like, you know, chicks did guitars and stuff. So <laughs> we're like, yeah, was, well, I've got my guitar. Here okay, Said like a
1: true musician from yeah. that era. right? Yeah. Now. Yeah. We're, we're like, <laughs>
0: that's, that's exactly what we think. You know, we're like, let me sing you a song, you know? Uh, but it was, it was a great time. Um, and as I got into college, you know, you start playing with actually good musicians and you realize how yeah. not great at it you are. Um, and so you just grow and grow and grow and, Meantime, we're planning a church in Waco, and uh, having to start a youth ministry there also. Um, and we just keep going. And so you I, say
1: we were planning a church. Were you going to be the lead pastor or oh youth, no, oh youth no. pastor? Okay, I was. I was still youth the pastor. youth
0: guy at that point. Yeah, I was youth pastor, and they would barely let me up on the stage to play guitar, but I would do that. <laughs> yeah, the way we did that youth ministry, we um we didn't have any kids in our youth group. We had zero kids, and so uh, we knew. One kid, and uh, her name was Haley, and Haley um, went to was in middle school, and so Haley's mom and dad went to church, she went to the church too, but like she wasn't part of the youth group. she was in gymnastics and never had time to be there. But we said, we'll just go visit Haley at school, and this is why I'm always an advocate for any youth pastor, middle school pastor, any youth leader. If you want to reach kids, go where they're at, don't expect them to come to you mm-hmm. because we took that group from zero to 43 over the next year and a half. Isn't that
1: that's a lot of growth right there, and, man. Th-
0: and this is a small church. Yeah. This is not a big church. The church didn't grow like that. The youth ministry did. Yeah. Because we went where they were. So we went that first week and we'd gotten all on some letterhead. I don't even know where we got a letterhead for that church from. Um and we got our pastor to sign it. And we took it to the office and they said, Yeah, you can go to lunch. I was like, no no background check or anything. You know, like, no, you can go to lunch. Good. I'm like, all right. So we went into that middle school and we looked around and we didn't know anybody in this lunch. Haley had the the next lunch. And we're like, man, I don't know anybody here. And so my friend Zach and I, who run this youth group, we decided we were gonna sit with the dorkiest group of boys we could find. And that's exactly what we did. And we sat down with them and made fun of them and they made fun of us. <laughs> <laughs> next thing you know, like we're picking them up in a borrowed church van and driving them back home and, and it yeah. just grew from there and it became that's a place. Yeah. You know? That's crazy. So you're leading
1: then you're starting mm-hmm. your guitar mm-hmm. work is happening. Yeah. What was the, f- when you talked about the inexpensive first guitar, what was your nice first guitar? Oh my your first, man. nice guitar. My first say.
0: nice guitar. And I still have it is a breed love. Oh, that's a nice guitar. Yeah. I yeah. got it on, on sale, big time sale. Um, my aunt, Paid for some of it because it was my birthday, but I had saved up my money and I. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it! It's a great sounding guitar. It's a Fishman four pickup on it. Yeah. Um, what What Taylor used to use back mm-hmm. before they went to the That's what system. I have. Yeah,
1: I have a Taylor two thousand one with a Fishman.
0: Oh, it's it's a great pickup. Uh, you know? It's a great one. I love it. it. It was good, and every time I plug it in, um, when I was at Baylor or wherever, everybody, the sound guy always goes, "Oh, that's a great sounding guitar." Yeah. Like, it's yeah. Like, good because it's gonna have to cover up all my mistakes
1: yeah well before Breedlove breed love uh retired altogether, he went he sold his company and went back to work as a luthier guitar maker for taylor i didn't know that yeah he was there so that's what he did man he was there making taylor guitars <laughs> oh, yeah. i had
0: no idea yeah man well i i love mine it plays great um the action's always been real nice on yeah
1: it. We, Unlike that first guitar in the cardboard box. Yes, it's very different,
0: and I treat it very different.
1: Oh, that's great. Uh, what When you were growing up, you, you said this is like early 2000s mm. then. So when you're doing that, the worship movement had already uh, started kicking in big yeah. time by then. What would be some of your early remembrances of worship leaders
0: that you really loved, and maybe they had an influence on you? Um. Well, you know, the first passion conference took place in Austin. Okay. And uh, and so we had the, that first passion CD that they put out. Uh, I remember hearing that for the first time going, what is, oh, this is incredible. Yeah. I, this is incredible. And now you go back and you listen and you go, wait a second. Oh. But it was so good and it was different than anything else. And there was also another group at the time uh, called Sonic Flood.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Sonic flood was doing things. And I remember specifically wanting to learn, they had a um, song called in the secret. Um, in the, remember, every in the church, secret in, in, in the, the quiet, quiet place. place. Yeah. I and used to do that song. I wanted to know how to play that song. Yeah. And I remember being like, if I can just learn how to play this song, I'll play it every day of my life. I love this song
1: in the stillness. You are
0: there. And then like looking back, it's one of the yeah. easiest songs ever to play, but yeah. you know, it's just, it's there. And, um, so those were two big ones. You know, Chris Tomlin at the time was just taking off. He was writing and playing everything. Um, yeah. Really was, fun times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had no idea who Louis Giglio was, but he was writing a lot of things. And so I thought, oh, this is a great. This Louis Giglio guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, turns out he really does he know. He did know
1: him. what he was doing. Yeah, he really I, did. I
0: got a great Louis Giglio story for you. Oh, man, bring it on. So um, when I was at Baylor, I was... Uh, working in chapel, and I was doing seminary there at Truett, and so Crowder has his fantastical music conference that, that he did that year, and it was fantastical. It was an it was an amazing, amazing conference. It was incredible. Everybody was there, and just the different ways they went about doing things. Well, because I worked in the chapel, I could kind of knew how to sneak in, sneak out. Yeah. They gave me little special permissions, and that they weren't supposed to, or something. So I'm sorry, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> whatever. A little special treatment here. Yeah, yeah. And so one night I, I get in the back and I'm standing in the back because there is no room. They're not. I mean, it's like the the fire marshals there making sure nobody else is coming in. And so I'm standing there, and this this older guy comes and he's standing right beside me. We're in the, I mean, the very very back next to the sound room, like with the video room. There's there's no room. And um, I I think maybe Hillsong United was leading that night. They had come and they were leading. Wow. In. Just everybody is just blown away by what's happening, and it's just, and it's a room full of worship leaders, so they're like, "I'm free to worship here. This is cool." And this guy, he comes and he sits next to me, and uh, and, and everybody's worshiping, right? And he's probably in his mid mid fifties, something like that. Full head of hair, but I mean, just gray, and I mean, pure as the snow driven, right? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. right. So he is just getting his worship on. I mean, he's getting after it, like does not care that I'm next to him, but he's, you know, just, I'm like, I was like, okay, that's cool, man. That's cool. And they get to the last song and then he just abruptly gets up and walks out. I'm like, that's weird. Like nobody else is doing that. They get to the end of the song, they play some little bumper video or something. And then that guy comes walking out on stage and it's Louis Giglio. Oh, And I thought,
1: okay. All right. You were standing right next to him and didn't know it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Just, I mean, for the first 15, 20 minutes of this, and it was a real cool front seat to like, see, like, that's who that guy really is. That's not made up. That's not put on. Yeah. I had no idea who he was.
1: You know, this whole thing about the passion movement and what they've done for young people, I know it's just still going on and it's changed. Obviously, some of the cast members uh, who you would have had on the worship team, like Chris Tomlin's no longer part of the team, but they have this way of just, capt- uh, I, I just capturing the attention and and the focus of the young people of today in a way that I think is it's so unique and it's wonderful. But they've made a big difference on the global scale for worship, for having a passion for things like human trafficking and, and all of that, uh, calling call to action. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. He does a great job at that.
0: It is a great story. How did you get from Waco to Florida? Well, I was in seminary in Waco at, at Truett Seminary, which is uh, at Baylor, and my last semester there, I got this random call from Memphis, Tennessee, while I was sitting in a Christian ethics class or something. It was a Monday night class, and um, I called the number back, and they said, hey, um, I'm so-and-so with Trinity Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. I um, got your resume. And I said, I don't know how you got my resume only three people have it and I'm one of them. You know? <laughs> but, uh, anyways, they, they got it and they said, Hey, do you want to think about coming to be in our youth pastor? And, uh, long story short, I went to go be their youth pastor. It worked out. It was one of the best things that ever happened in my life. I learned so much. The, um, the pastor there is still a guy that I refer to as my pastor. I'm um, the associate pastor is still a guy. That's one of my pastors. I call him up, and ask him everything under the sun. Um, it it was just a great great time. It wasn't the church I would have chosen for myself, but I felt led by God to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very traditional church, um, old school, but um, kind, loving, warm people. Um, and we were there about four years in my wife and I, and then we got a call: "Hey, um, there's a, a associate pastor role opening up at Church on the Drive here in a College Park." That now before I had interned there. Um, a few years before, maybe five years before, Hmm. been there before. They remembered you. They remembered me. I had interned there, um, as their uh, summer youth intern. I had to do a supervised internship for seminary, so it worked out, anyways. Right. Well, um, that summer, uh, my wife had graduated from the University of Florida, and she had. Come back home, go Gators. Her. It was the church she grew yeah, up in. Yeah. yeah, don't say that too loud. Or else my <laughs> daughter's gonna start doing it too. It's like outlawed in my house. I'm like no, oh, no, 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 man. I'm I'm, I'm from Austin, man. Hook them horns, right? <laughs> uh, no. So, so my wife and I got married after that summer. Like we met in May of 2011 and got married in May of 2012, uh, and then she moved up to Memphis with me and uh, did some nursing school stuff. So mm-hmm. this was a call from the church that I had interned at and that she had grown up in. And I, when they called me and asked, I said, no, not a chance. I don't want to do that. There, There's too much, too many ties there. But I really felt the call from God to go there. And, and so we did, you know, we, we, we did. And we followed that. And some incredible stuff has happened in those last seven and a half years. I, I would have never, ever imagined.
1: That's crazy. What a great story. And you end up in College Park, where you still are, and of course, as the youth pastor. And I want to get back to that in a moment. We're up against a break. We're going to take it right now. My guest is Josh Plant. He is the lead pastor at Church on the Drive. Used to be called College Park Baptist, but now it's Church on the Drive. And we'll be back with Josh in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike here on The Shepherd. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study Here in the studio with me is Josh Plant. He's the lead pastor at the Church on the Drive, and that's in College Park, part of Orlando, one of the most beautiful uh, communities around. If you take Edgewater Drive from Lee Road and head there, you'll soon get to this kind of a quaint, I think it's quaint, it's not really built up, really a lot of uh, improvements have been made on the Edgewater circuit right there, Mm -hmm. but boy, the homes in College Park, classic, beautiful a stable, gorgeous homes. And uh, the lakes aren't bad either. Not bad. There. <laughs> Not bad.
0: Especially with all this cold that's been happening. Uh, like, yeah. I'll come driving through about 6 45, 7 o'clock in the morning and there's like steam rising off. Uh, yeah. It's
1: cool, man. Yeah. It's really fun to see. Uh, and a lot of people just love to get there and, and walk around the lakes. And it's just a gorgeous area. And this church has been there. We talked about this one of the times you were on my program before of uh, my visiting that church and what drew us there. My daughter sang in a the caroling company. Mm-hmm. And every Christmas you guys would have uh, a concert there with the carolers and they would bring them in. My daughter would sing there. So I got to go there and
0: that's my first time of being in the building I loved it, it was it's, great. It's so good, we're doing that again. Uh, we have um, a new choir that started up during the pandemic. Great time to start. You know? mm-hmm. uh, it's called the Central Florida Youth Course. They meet on our campus. Um, one of the local middle school um, uh, choral directors, Julie, uh, she came to us and said, hey, I'd like to do this. Could we use your space? And we said, absolutely. That's what it's here for. So she started this youth course. And so on Wednesday nights, where when our traditional service is, uh, she will um, bring them in from time to time and they'll lead us. And so this uh, past December, December fourteenth, they had a whole concert. I mean, there was an entire orchestra in there and like a harpsichord. It was great. Oh man, that's awesome. Now, Bob Shuttler, did you know him? I know Bob very well.
1: Oh, he's a good friend. So that, the first time I went, he was there at that point, and uh, so I got to see him. I didn't know him back then. Never talked to him that night at all. But I was really impressed with this guy's heart. I mean, just from what he would say, how he would say it, and and Josh, I gotta say. That's what happened to me the first time I met you. You oh, have gosh. this you have this sincerity about you. You have this down-to-earth realness. And, and I loved what you said in segment one, and I agree with it completely. I think a lot of people's approach to building ministry is that they open up a place and they invite people to come to them. And you made the statement that if you want to see young people uh, come into your church, you've got to go where they are. And your attitude about that there's a win, winsomeness about you that I, I'm i sure you don't even realize it's there, but I'm quite confident you're told often by other people that it's there, right? Am well, I right on that?
0: Well, I appreciate you saying it. I To be mentioned in the same breath as Bob Shetler is a very high compliment for me. He is a tremendous, tremendous person and minister and pastor. I'm very proud of that. Yeah,
1: I love the guy. He was in Gainesville. Of course, you're being heard in Gainesville. And uh, he was at First Pres there for a number of years, and uh, we've talked about uh, the the ministry things. He res- he retired in 2019 from full time ministry at that church, but he he certainly hasn't retired. No, he's got a couple of side gigs now going on with um, leadership, uh, and he's he's just such a man of God, and I really love the guy. So I know you got to work with him. Yeah, you've got this. Uh, what I'd love to talk about. Uh, you obviously transitioned out of youth pastor being a, a lead pastor, and I you didn't see that one coming, really. I, I don't believe, as I recall, you it was a surprise. It, it was a,
0: it was a surprise when it happened. I kind of knew and, and felt um, when we took the call there that that was going to be the the end result, and the you know as we were here for five years, I thought, well, maybe. Maybe that's not what's going to happen. But then the pandemic hit and uh, our pastor retired and the church turned and looked at me and said, okay, you ready? And I said, absolutely, let's do it. You know? Switching gears, a new stream yeah. right in the middle of the pandemic in 2020. Right.
1: right. Yeah, that's that's really a tough one right there. And yeah, when other churches are suffering, other churches are scrambling really to get a, the whole streaming thing up and going when churches were uh greatly impacted and a lot of churches still to this day are not back to full steam because of uh what happened with the streaming thing a lot of people still are at home and i i would love for them to rejoin their congregation i think they need to
0: yeah absolutely i mean there's no uh, there's no substitute for that communal feeling you get when you're around people yeah uh, th- there's a lot of churches as you know i think who have said we're not going to do this dreaming thing anymore because so many people are just staying at home, and we want we don't want to encourage that. We want to encourage them to come. I understand that impetus. Um, our thoughts on it have been a little differently. Uh, have been a little bit different because in my head, I've got so many people who are traveling to go to soccer tournaments, mm-hmm. or they're at the beach with their family that weekend, or there's a gymnastics thing, or, or whatever. Well, now they can still be part of the community while they're traveling. Mm-hmm. And so I, every week I hear stories from uh, some of our families, our younger families who've joined our church in the last few years, who are like, I caught the message this week. We were listening to it while we were driving. Yeah. That was really cool when you said this. Or we heard the band played this song. We love that song. Yeah, And I go, okay, so they're still able to connect. You know, I, I, <laughs> I agree. It,
1: it doesn't replace the being there, but it is a nice thing to have to offer for when people are. And let's face it, At some point of the year, everyone's going to be gone and they can be in touch. I know when we were on vacation, seeing my son in Texas, I was able to, part of it is because of the time difference there, we're getting ready on a Sunday morning to go to David's church and I'm watching in our bedroom while I'm, while I'm getting ready, I'm watching the worship from my own church here in Orlando. And I'm thinking, what a world in which we live, man! I mean, this is crazy to have this kind of it? tech.
0: It's so cool, right? Yeah. And then you think about the people who are maybe on the precipice of going to church, because going to church, any church, for the first time, whether you're a seasoned church goer, or you've been away from faith and never like really dipped your toes in the into that water, like it's hard. It's a difficult thing. I'm so honored anytime we have a first time guest, because the guts it takes to walk into a church building with people who know each yeah, other—that's right. I mean, all that's eyes
1: crazy. turn to look at you, and you, there's a lot of people like are intimidated.
0: Yes, it's so brave. So if, if you're listening right now and you're going to a new church for the first time or second time, congrats because mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Like you're so brave. Keep going. Keep yeah. going down that that path. Well,
1: you know, you your heart is something that. I would really like to kind of jump into for a moment about youth ministry, because we have so many people uh, that have this notion about youth pastors and youth ministers, what they do, how they do it, what role they play. Uh, I believe that having been one myself for years, that it is a wonderful thing. I mean, I feel like in some ways, you don't have to be a youth pastor to be involved in youth ministry and and you know that as well there's a lot of parents that really need and would be incredibly helpful to the ministry of the church if they got involved with their own young people and and so there's so many different thoughts about that philosophies about parents involvement should they be there should they not be there from your standpoint what was what was one of the, the things that you thought you got to do this if you're going to be a youth pastor what would that be besides going
0: where the young people are you've mentioned that one already if you're going to be a youth pastor you have to be somebody who can who connects with teenagers like like in a very simplistic way you have to connect with them so that may mean and probably does mean you go to where they're at you go to school with them right um, you go to their games but it also means you connect with their parents. One of the things I learned to do from a guy um, named Doug Franklin, uh, he taught me to sit down across from parents, try to sit down with parents once a, once a quarter, once a year, whatever it was, depending on the size of the group and how mm-hmm. much, you know, and just ask them how things were going from their perspective. And then he said, ask them this question at the end. How can I be a better pastor to you and your family? And what happens when you ask that question is it opens up a lot of things because they've never been asked that question, most likely, by anybody else. And they go, wait, wait, you want to do what? I thought you were just here for Johnny and Susie. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm here to help you disciple your kids. I'm just doing this with you. So our our approach at Church on the Drive and the approach I've always tried to take in my youth ministry was that I'm not trying to get your kids saved. I'm not trying to, like, make them all. I want those things for them. But my goal is to help you disciple your kids. I'm going to come, I'm going to equip you. I'm going to give you resources and I'm going to be like the cool older brother slash uncle, whatever, um, that they go to when they don't know how to ask you those things. But I want to help you do this. We want to do this together because parents, I mean, you're around your kids so much more often than a youth pastor. That's exactly right. And, you know, the responsibility
1: for those kids, in spite of what our culture is saying today, and it, it really is stomach turning to me to see what's happening in our school systems uh, with the notion that kids can be counseled on things like gender and becoming uh, a transgendered person without the involvement of the parents, uh, where you have authorities, teachers helping in that it's unthinkable, but that that would have been not only unthinkable, that was never talked about in the years when I was a youth pastor. What was happening back then was I had some parents who would look at me, and even though they were with their kid all the time, the expectation in their mind was, you're the youth pastor, you need to do something with my kid. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've tasted that one before, too.
0: Yeah, every once in a while, but it doesn't last long when you say, no, we're doing this together. <laughs> because right. and you, and it's not because I'm trying to get out of work it's because like this is what we're called to like I'm called to be a pat when, when a youth pastor is called to a church you're there to be a youth pastor to the entire church let that sink in it you're not there to just be a youth pastor to those 60 kids or 15 kids in the youth group or whatever you're a youth pastor to the entire church even the octogenarians mm-hmm Right. Even the ones who have never been in a youth ministry, don't want any part of the youth ministry, just kind of want to give you some hot dogs and some sodas and say, go save the world, right? They you're their youth pastor too. You're part of the whole ecosystem of the Mm -hmm. church. How can you serve them? Yeah. If you're gonna be a youth pastor, you gotta connect with teenagers, but you also gotta kind of lead the way in serving others. Now you were doing a great job
1: at the church and Transitions sometimes are difficult for youth pastors going into lead roles uh, as a senior pastor. Uh, sometimes it's hard on the the church itself when, in your case, you have a, a loved pastor who's retiring and resigning. And to follow someone like that that is difficult too. So you had all of these things kind of lined up, and some people would say, "Whew, that's going to be a tough one to to walk in." Yet you did it, and and you've brought that. I don't know if I could call the word moxie. You bring in this wonderful youth pastor moxie into everything you do, Josh. And it's it's that realness, that genuineness. I think the your head is on straight and you're not falling into those expectations that some parents can place upon our youth pastors. You brought that into this transition. How did you do that?
0: Well, the good news was that the church had allowed me before um our pastor retired had allowed me a, a lot of leeway and a lot of leadership opportunities right so i was doing a lot of preaching i was probably preaching about 50% of the sundays up to that point cuz it, it 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 had been kind of out there that yeah, this transitioning was coming already then yeah it, it was a it was just kind of something in in the works already right and so it, it was a no, it was that part of things was was normal i kind of ran the staff i um I think in some people's minds, I was only the, the youth pastor, but in a lot of ways I was, um, I was more like an executive pastor who did that too. And so like I would run staff meetings and do these things. So it was a, it was an easier transition. Not a lot really changed for me, except okay. instead of 50%, it's a hundred percent of the yeah. Sundays now and still doing some youth ministry, but it was the pandemic. So when a lot going on with there, you, you couldn't do a lot at the moment. Yeah. But that's changed. That's definitely changed, yeah. yes. And you're back
1: in the, you're running with the horses again now, yes. man.
0: And yes, and I, so I'm glad that we're hiring a youth pastor very soon. <laughs> um, but I, I'm going, I was telling somebody the other day, I'm going to miss it so much. I don't even know how to exist without being a youth pastor and diving into all of that stuff. So I'm not disappearing from it entirely. Um, I'm still going to be working with our friends uh, at Edgewater High School and yeah. going there and, and, and coaching and um, that that's the... That, that's what I really enjoy anyways.
1: That's been the secret sauce to what you've done. Oh, you know, man. Your man. involvement with people and how you love to talk with people. And no one's a stranger when you talk with them. And I think that's another thing that people need to get. I find it interesting how many times people have stepped into youth pastor roles when they didn't like being around young people. <laughs> I,
0: I, I can't imagine. I don't know why you would do it. <laughs> You're torturing do. yourself. But you've seen that before, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's almost like like, like a, I it's like they think it's a necessary stepping stone but but it's not I, I I guess I get it but man you're just gonna be miserable yeah you're gonna be miserable when those kids really and and, and it's not good for the kids either by the way yeah because they're looking for somebody to connect with you know the reason we have this whole thing is because when you become a teenager you get to that age 13-ish time like what happens just biologically within us is that' the time we start m- making our first real close relationships outside of our families. Right? But so initially it's just nuclear family, right? And then it, it spreads to cousins and and aunts and uncles. Yeah. And and that one takes place after, you know, maybe year five or something like that. You get into those teenagers, now you've got these close relationships. You start forming them with other people outside. Well, doesn't it make sense that a church would hire like a young guy in his twenties or whatever to be the the cool yet safe and uh, approved of relationship you can form at church. yeah. That's why it works. Um, I don't know why anybody who doesn't like young people would want to commit to trying to love them through some of the hardest times of their life. The only thing that I can think of is that there's a motive
1: to use it as a stepping stone to maybe full-time... Uh, church leadership. I don't know, but I, I'm not saying that to draw attention to that kind of mentality. What I do want to draw attention to is what you have. And that is a heart for the young people and the difference that can be experienced by both the young people and you as the leader. If, uh, if you have that kind of heart, boy, God, it's like the Grinch, man, your heart grows three times its size. And it really is something uh, to this day. One of my favorite things is to be back with some of the young people. We had such a wonderful group in Kentucky when I was a youth pastor. God did so many wonderful things back then in them and in me and then through my wife and me to them. But we all grew together. And I think that's what you're saying. We all grew together. And when you see yourself as being part of the whole, not a part, but part of the whole, that that becomes much more possible and doable. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you are right there and you've got their best interest in mind and in your heart. My guest is Josh Plant. He's the lead pastor at Church on the Drive in College Park. We'll be back with him for one more segment. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Here with me in the studio today on this program, Josh Plant, who is the lead pastor at the church on the drive, I met Josh a couple of years ago, and actually might have been still 2020 or at least early 2021, uh, because we were still having the impact of that thing they that were talking about. You'd not long been named the lead pastor, so how what what uh, month in 2020 did that happen?
0: I started officially um, September 1st, 2020.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking it was either end of 2020, yeah. early 2021. And we had you here. Of course, that's on our podcast and we can look that up. But, you know, you've uh, you've come in in such a time as this and we're living now, Josh, even since the pandemic, well, I can't really say it's over, uh, even though the president said it was over. And then I think he took it back and, you know, he's playing Indian giver with that thing being over. We, we've got we to gotta deal with where it is in this culture that just goes crazier and crazier all the time. And you being a person that work with young people, you see that mm-hmm. firsthand, the impact, the pressure that it must be. I heard somebody say this past uh, week at a prayer meeting, they talked about how the young people of, of today are growing up with stuff that none of us uh, that are older ever even thought of or had to deal with. And that's what's happening in our culture, right?
0: i hear that too and then i go well i'm also you don't know this maybe i I got i have a degree in history and uh i love history and so i think about some of my friends who who are older in our church who grew up uh, in the 60s and the 70s and i hear the stories and i remember reading about people who grew up and they were in high school in the 60s and the 70s and i imagine the tension you might have felt then the anxiety you might have felt then going Am I going to be drafted? Into, yeah, go, am I going to go to Vietnam? Am I going to Vietnam? Yeah. Um, or I was just talking to somebody the other day about watching the names on TV of people who had died. Like at night. Like you were doing that? Can you imagine if that happened today? Mm-hmm. That would never happen today. That, so I I think that things just get recycled and reused in different ways. I think that part of the problem is this culture is, uh, or our youth culture, let me put it that way, teenage culture has always, uh, for the, as long as I can remember, been marketed to. Boom, boom, boom. They're marketed to more than any other generation on the planet. That's right. Right, we know at this. That 18
1: aim right there demographics. Right. The, the All of the commercials, all of the TV shows, they'll right? aim right at them.
0: We know this statistically, and it goes into college years and even into the 20s. Huge, right? Because they may not have their own money, but they got mom and dad's money. Yeah. Right. There's purchasing power there. So they're they're marketed to. Well, what's become a new marketing tactic, I think, is to try to motivate people, rally people around causes and and things, especially in those college years, late teenage years. Well, anybody who's ever worked in youth ministry or college ministry, or maybe just has had kids will tell you if a high school kid sees college kids doing something, whether it's wearing clothes, enjoying bands or whatever, they're going to try to mimic that and copy that. So I think one of the things I'm seeing is this generation that has messages being sent to it all the time is being inundated with things that they just have to care about. Mm -hmm. You have to care about this. And if you don't, then there's something wrong with you. In fact, you don't just have to care about it. You don't just have to have an opinion. You have to have this opinion. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. And this happens to them on all sides of that equation, right? Left, right, middle. Like there's all there's somebody around going, you have to feel about it this way. It's easy to get offended by things, and it's easy to get uh, ramped up about things. I think one of the challenges and one of the best ways the church as a whole can speak into youth culture and into college culture is to be that kind of moderating presence. The one that that rock in the middle of a stormy sea that's like, okay. Um I have um I have people in my life who they they get so worked up about stuff. I mean just worked up. And they turn to me and they go, don't you think Josh and I just know in my in that moment my my spot is to go I think it'll be all right. I think it'll be fine. Let's just give it. It's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, not because that's who I naturally am, but as as God works in me, I just remember those words of Jesus: "Like don't worry, don't worry about tomorrow." God's got. this.
1: Yeah. It's easy, isn't it? I think for parents and for young people alike, it's easy to get caught up in the moment when you look at the horizon and there are so many mm-hmm. skirmishes. So you know, there's literal war going on in Ukraine with Russia. There's that worry. But but you're right when you say the way the impact on our lives for that is a lot different than what was going on in the 60s when a lot of young people in that day and age not only were facing the potential of going to Vietnam, but they were also seeing a culture switch in that day and age too with Woodstock and all of the the beginnings of the sexual revolution that was going on in the late 60s. So it's not like that what's happening right now is altogether never, ever done before unique in itself. There have been upheavals before Uh, there. These are difficult times and there are some things that are unique happening right now that kids, you know, for example, in my day and age, we didn't have to question gender, you know, and that's something that kids do have to deal with. How are you helping your people through that?
0: My goal is always to be someone that others can talk to. I'm sometimes I'm better at that than others, right? Uh, so, what I when we were talking about that earlier, I, I thought to myself, you know, if you have a kid in your youth group who is struggling with that, what's what's a better outcome? Like I, I like how Andy Stanley always says it, like define the win. Like what, what's the win here? So if I have a kid who's struggling with that, is the win I tell them how it really is and I let them know the second I find out, you know, or is the win that I maintain enough of a relationship with them that like I can walk through that with them to wherever it goes, right? our mission statement as a church is we want to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus. And sometimes we just expect people to be in places that they're not at. I don't, I, I don't know. May, maybe I'm wrong. And maybe the Lord will tell me one day, but if I got a kid who's saying, look, I'm, I think that I might really be this. Mm-hmm. then I'm going to, I want to have the conversation with them. And I'm saying, look, look, here's what I think. Um, what do you do with, with this now i'm i'm telling i'm giving you this information what do you what do you think about that you know just to have a conversation that at the very least somebody who is probably confused probably has a lot of anxiety in their in their life around that issue at the very least they have a person in a church who hasn't ostracized them mm-hmm. who hasn't pushed them out but who has loved them unconditionally and said i'm going to be here I think that does a lot more for the cause of Jesus than you know, yelling at somebody and telling them to go to hell.
1: You know, we see that. And for years that there have been people on the sidewalk doing that very thing, basically calling people out and in the name of God, in the name of, of real, I guess you could say Christianity, but in that name, they do something that. I know would not have been done with Jesus. He wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have marked uh, his behavior by things like that. But the, I think what where a lot of people, maybe older Christians, uh, where they find it is is those fine lines between uh, this thing that you're talking about and loving them unconditionally, and yet holding true to the word of god and not right. not just accepting sinful behavior as okay mm-hmm. so it's that little walk of balance that's the trick isn't it
0: oh yeah man and yeah like i think one of the other mistakes we make is we think that there's some uh, prescribed way of doing this and that we're not going to mess it up somehow like, no life is messy especially when people are different and they don't see things the way you do like life is messy but the standard is not you get it perfect every time the standard is you try to perfectly love every time right when jesus is asked what's most important jesus what what do all the commandments and prophets what does it come down to we all know this if you've been in church for any length of time you know yeah, what i'm going right. to say love the lord your god with all your heart mind soul strength and yeah love your neighbor love your neighbor as you love yourself he doesn't say the most important thing is to follow the Ten Commandments. He doesn't say the most important thing is, to listen to what Isaiah said, or Ezekiel said. Mm-hmm. He says, love God, love your neighbor, love yourself.
1: And in so doing, you'll fulfill the rest. Right. That's the that's the real key. And I think that's really what we have to have. I mean, I, there are a lot of people, I'm convinced of this, Josh, there are a lot of people that follow the new cycle so religiously, so completely, that they have lost kind of a, a bit of confidence in the Lord, that he's still sovereign. I mean, there are some people, I believe, that have so become fearful, and, and they think this uh, culture can't be won. This nation can't be won for the Lord. I mean, we're gone.
0: Yeah, they, they think it's done. But I don't know. I just remember Scripture saying, like, I'm going to build my church on this rock, and it will stand and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Yeah. I'm just dumb enough to believe that because the guy saying it, you know, predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell people um, somewhat jokingly, I think my spiritual gift, one of my spiritual gifts is ignorant confidence, right? Like <laughs> I'm just like, okay, I I'm going to go like when, when I became the pastor, I was I, it never even dawned on me that that would be hard. I said, "Let's do it, yeah." Because I felt like God was calling me to. I knew the Lord was with us. I I knew the Lord was. With, I I knew the great people we had in our church. I didn't have to sit and calculate and analyze. I knew what God had called me to. And when we look at the world around us, you think it was any easier in the early church's day? Not a chance, man. Yeah, they had lions waiting for them. <laughs> yeah, they they had their families were disowning them. Yeah, like they. They had lions waiting for him. They had all sorts of stuff waiting for him. And they were so convinced. They were so convinced that Jesus was who he said he was and that this Jesus movement was so beautiful and needed to be shared with other people that they were willing to go to their deaths, gruesome deaths. They were willing to live their life with their family disowning them. They were willing to do that because they believed in these things. My question for us is as we look around and we pull up the news report every day and we check Twitter all the time and we see how the world is going to you know where in a handbasket. Do we really have confidence in God or have we been putting our confidence in our own abilities the whole time?
1: That's good. Or a political party. Oh, well, yeah. That too. That's for another story. Another day. (laughs) Josh Plant, the lead pastor. Do you go by lead pastor or senior pastor? What title do you
0: use? They say, hey, you. I'm good. (laughs) I I just call myself pastor, man. I don't know Uh, anything.
1: Okay. Uh, A truly humble man. I love being around Josh Plant and uh, so appreciate his ministry. Josh, give us your website, how people can find
0: out more about you or Church on the Drive. Yeah. Um, if you want to check out our church, it's churchonthedrive.org. We're on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, all the places. Just search for us there. Um, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram too. And I'm, I'm on Facebook. I don't, yeah. And I'm on Twitter and all that stuff. Okay.
1: That's yeah. cool. A lot's happening in the world. We'll have to catch back in with you in a couple months, my man. Always enjoy having you come up. Josh Plant, my guest today. And friends, we thank you for joining us as well. And we'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.